You know, we've been teaching on the subject of faith. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to quickly go with me to Hebrews 11.1. 1. But faith, if we find what is faith? It, the, the question is, is what is faith? The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what is faith? And we find that in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is. Somebody say, now faith is. See, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so that's what faith is. And the, the, the faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Somebody say, amen. amen. How do we obtain the blessings of the Lord? That's always the question. How do, we, how do we receive? We read all of these promises. We read all of these benefits that God gives us. But yet our question is, how do we receive those? How do we walk in those blessings? How do we have and receive the blessings that God has for us? And the Bible says this, and it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody say, I walk by faith and not by sight. Now today, I want us to look at a passage of scripture found in Isaiah chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to go there. But I want to kind of uh, let you know about kind of what's going on before this story as this story is taking place. And let me kind of give you some background and some context um, of this vision. It's a, a miraculous vision that Isaiah receives. And Isaiah, the man of God, he describes here in Isaiah chapter 6. And what happens is, is it happens in the time that King Uzziah dies. And Uzziah took the throne, I just, just to know who he is, King Uzziah took the throne of Israel. He was, became the king of Israel at the age of 16. I don't know about you, but how many could you imagine being a king at the age of 16? Amen, that's pretty young. And he reigned for 52 years. His reign was one of the most prosperous, excepting that of Jehoshaphat and since the time of Solomon. It was a, it was a, he, he brought things back, uh, uh, things of worshiping of the Lord. And in the early part of his reign, under the influence of Zechariah the prophet, he, he was faithful to God. He did what was right in the sight of God. The Bible even says this in, in 2 Chronicles. It talks about, it says, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And I think that that's key for us to understand something. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. In other words, this is what the Bible says. It says that he built towers, he dug wells, he had livestock, he had a vast army with over 300,000 men. The Bible talks about all this. He made devices in Jerusalem and invented, uh, invented by skillful men. And these uh, towers and things in Jerusalem at the corners, they had thing, special inventions that he made that could shoot big arrows and shoot large objects and rocks and things like that. And so much so that his fame spread far and wide and, and many people heard about the great things that were happening in Israel because he sought the Lord. And see, faith is a means for us to receive the blessings of God, but not in a selfish way or a covetous way. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I always talk about this around the, time, the, around the beginning of the year when we start teaching on Agreement Sunday, but you can't have faith for somebody else's spouse. Amen. You, 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 can't have, you shouldn't have faith in, and believe to have somebody else's car or somebody else's house. 
But you can have faith and believe God that God would give you a spouse just like somebody else. That, that you can believe God and say, God, I want to receive a spouse that's going to be faithful, that's going to be godly, that's going to worship like so-and-so and have like a vision for what you're believing for. But if somebody, you know, I, it's, it, you know if somebody else is already married, your, your goal shouldn't be to come to church and say, oh, I see that singer up there. And oh, I, I want to find out if they're, if, they're, if they're single or not, right? You know, if you see somebody driving a nice car, you, you know, you don't want God, you don't necessarily want to get the car that they have, but you, ne- but you might, God can re- get, bless you with a car just like they have. Amen. God has enough. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God has enough to bless me, to bless you, and to bless everybody else. And there'll be more than enough to, ho- to left over. Somebody say amen. But how do we receive that blessing? We receive that blessing by faith. Somebody say by faith. And see, I've heard great men of God say this over the years. God doesn't mind you having things. He just minds when things have you. God doesn't mind you having a nice boat and a nice car and being able to spend time and go out fishing. I like, like, like I said, on my birthday, I went fishing all day. I, wanna, I went out on a big boat. And I had a good time in the sense of other than being a little seasick. But you know what? God doesn't mind you having a nice boat, having a nice car, having a nice house. But he does mind when, tho- when those things have you. When having the nice boat, instead of being in church on Sunday, you're out on the water on Sunday, that's when God minds. Amen? It, it matters when, when God has to be first. And the Bible says, as long as King Uzziah sought the Lord, God made. God made him to prosper. See, I tell you today, church, I want to encourage you that as long as you seek the Lord, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. In other words, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, seek me first. If you seek the kingdom of God, all of those things that you've been wanting, that you've been seeking, that you've been desiring, they will come and be made to come upon you when you seek God first. See, I'm telling you, this is something, this is the lifestyle that I live. I live a blessed life. And you know why my life is so blessed? Because I seek God first in everything that I do. Amen? And see, God wants us, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as you seek the Lord, God will make you to prosper. Somebody say amen. You don't have any choice but to prosper. Somebody say amen. But you have to continue to seek God, to continue to seek him first. But eventually, King Uzziah kind of began to get some uh, pride in his life and, and, and things, and he thought himself to do the priestly duties. He decided that he would go into the temple and do what the priest, only the priest, was supposed to do. And he decided to, he, that he was going to burn incense on the altar of incense. Again, this is only the duty of a priest. He's a king. He's not a priest. And therefore, because of his disobedience, he was filled with pride and anger and, and became angry. And he contracted leprosy. And eventually he dies of leprosy. This is what has happened in society up to the point in Isaiah chapter 6. 
This is what I want you to understand. I want you to see this is this is what had happened. They had all these prosperous things happening in Israel. King Uzziah was doing great. Then all of a sudden something happens and he changed his attitude. He changed and he decided to do something that he ought not to do. He decided to not pursue God, to seek God the way that he was supposed to. Amen. And so here it is. In, in Isaiah chapter 6, this is what's leading up. This is what has just happened in society. In society, King Uzziah had just died. And this is what it says, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Look at this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Now, I want you to circle that word also. That word there is important, and it's not found in every translation in the Bible. But he says this, in the year I saw, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, which one had six wings. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. So in other words, an angelic being with six wings two that covered his face, two that covered his feet, and two that they were flying around. And what were they doing? And one cried unto another that said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. See, this is a, an elaborate vision. This is one of the most elaborate visions that anyone records in the Bible, especially up to at least the, configura- the transfiguration of Christ or even the book of Revelation. I want you to look at and think about this, this vision that Isaiah is receiving. And, and also that, that, that these angels that are flying around, when, when their voices spoke, the whole building shook. The whole throne shook. This isn't God speaking. This is just the angels and all they're doing, the seraphims, they're flying around and they're singing, holy, holy, holy to the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And as they call and as they, as they shout it out, the whole, the whole throne shakes. Now again, isn't it interesting that Isaiah dates that vision with an event that happened in, in society. In other words, in the year King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. Or I saw also the Lord. Isaiah marks this vision with an event that is happening in that year. Isn't it interesting that there are things that happen in society and in our own lives that mark or name our years? In other words, that the year that you have a child or the year that you have a baby, how many know that that, that year kind of names that year? The year that my wife and I, we had Lexi in 2016, that kind of named that year. That was the year we had Lexi, right? Uh, the year that, that maybe you got, you, you got your first job, the year that, that maybe you went to college, the year that you graduated college or you, went, you graduated high school. How many of you know that there are years, there are things that happen in our lives that name our years, that name things that are happening? Like, for example, even right now, something that we're experiencing as a whole and all across the world is this is the year of the coronavirus. It names this year. How many know that we will never forget the year of the coronavirus? 
it names the year. And also, the same thing happens when, like, 9-11. How many of you remember where you were, when you were, where you were doing, what you were doing when you found out about 9-11? And some of you that may be older, you maybe remember when, 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 uh, when, when uh, Columbine happened and all these other things that happened and these situations happened that kind of changed the world. Like when Pearl Harbor was hit and when things happened, all of a sudden it names that year. And so, and so those things happen. And so in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, Isaiah says, I saw also the Lord. In, the, in other words, in the year of this terrible thing, the death of a king, I also saw the king of heaven. In other words, I also saw the king of kings. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the king of kings. Somebody say amen. How many you know God is God and God can appear to anyone any way he wants to? He appeared to Moses in a burning bush. He appeared like as of a dove. The Lord appeared as a dove when Jesus was baptized. And what was it? A dove ascended from heaven. Jesus or, or God can appear any way that he wants to, to anybody because God is God. But isn't it interesting that the year that King Uzziah dies, the thing that was happening in the year of this terrible thing, God decides to show himself and in a vision to Isaiah, reveal himself as a king sitting on a throne, showing that he's high and lifted up. See, can't you see that God is sending Isaiah a wonderful, encouraging message? He's saying, I know that you're concerned that the king of Israel is dead, but I'm showing you that the king of heaven is alive. How many know Jesus is alive? God is still seated on the throne, our Father in heaven. Isaiah may have been concerned because the earthly throne of, of Israel was empty. But God was saying, fear not. Don't worry, because the King of heaven is still alive. Somebody say amen. This is why that little word also is so important in verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Isaiah is not denying that the king isn't dead. Faith is not denial. Let me say that again. Faith is not denial. Faith is declaring and acting on what God says in the midst of a situation. We don't deny in the sense, things that are happening. Isaiah didn't deny and say, oh, well, you know, I just, the, the king's not dead and he's just sleeping. He didn't deny the fact that the king was dead. In other words, we don't deny that there is a, a virus. We don't deny, you know, we are not immune here on this earth. We are not immune from the, the crisis of life, the situation. How I many know the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust? And there are things that, that the Bible says, you know, that we have to understand. I shared about this a couple of weeks ago that we need to understand that we fight three things in this world on this earth. We fight the world, we fight the devil, and we fight the flesh. And so we have to understand that there are things that happen in this life because we live on this earth because Adam sinned in the garden. That, we, that, that there are things that we are exposed to because we are not yet glorified and seated in heaven. How many know the devil can't attack you in heaven? Amen. 
But here on this earth, when Adam sinned, he gave dominion and authority to, the, to Satan in the sense that he can go about like a roaring lion. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God Jesus has redeemed me. And he, he, the enemy cannot overcome me. Somebody say amen. But we need to understand, it reminds me of a funny story. I remember listening and reading some of Brother Hagin's messages. And I always thought this one was interesting to me. I always kind of zoned in on this one because there was a, a, a person that came to him after one of his meetings, after one of his services, that came up after service. And they were just like, oh, Brother Hagin, will you pray for me and pray that the devil stops beating me up and stops attacking me? And, and so Brother Hagin just looks at him and says, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to pray that you're going to die? They go, oh, no, no, don't pray that. But essentially, he was trying to get the point across to that person that in heaven, there are no attacks of the enemy. But on this earth, there may be attacks. But how many you know God is going to redeem us? God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. God knows how to provide every need. He knows how to supply every need. He knows how to overcome every obstacle. Somebody say amen. And so though the weapon may be formed, the weapon doesn't have a right to prosper. Somebody say amen. So the Bible does give us some help in this. He actually says in in, uh, James chapter 4 verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. In other words, the way to get the, the enemy off your back, the way to get the devil from attacking you is to resist him, and then he'll flee from you. I think what happens many times is we just like often our, our, our natural uh, human uh, characteristics want to blame something, someone, somebody. And amen, in this church, how many know we know we don't ever blame God for anything because God is a good God. God is always for us. God is always good. Somebody say God is good all the time. If it's good, it came from God. And if it's bad, it came from the devil. We have that understanding, but many times when the enemy does come, sometimes it's not the enemy at all. Sometimes it's just the world. Sometimes it's just the flesh. Like when a hurricane is coming and we can see it on the, on the projection screen and things like that, we can believe God, we can stand in God that, that our house will be protected, our home will be okay, that we'll be safe and our family will be safe, amen. God gives us that provision, but hurricanes happen because we live on this earth and we live in this world and hurricanes happen. It's not God sending a hurricane. It's not necessarily the devil sending a hurricane. And, uh, but otherwise, we do know that ultimately, because of sin, because of what Adam did, the enemy, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How many know if a hurricane brings destruction, that came from the devil? Somebody say amen. So I'm just trying to get you to understand that God gives us the ability to overcome. Amen? And so it takes faith to believe God's word and to resist the devil and he'll flee. It takes faith to believe, to resist the devil. Somebody say amen. When he says he will flee, that means he has to. He has no other choice. But faith is not a denial of the circumstances or the situations. When the children of Israel came back from spying out the land of Israel, and they came back with a bad report, the bad report was not that there were giants in the land. The bad report was that there were giants in the land and we can't overcome them. See, Joshua and Caleb, who gave a good report, didn't deny that there were giants in the land. They didn't say, oh, well, there's no such thing as giants. We confess these giants out of the Holy Land. Amen. I'm preaching real good right now. 
they said, there are giants in the land, but we are well able to overcome them. See, they did not deny the circumstance. They did not deny the situation, but they took what God said and they said, bless God, God, we are able to overcome them. And see, faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith does not call those things that are as though they are not. I always use this illustration. My arm was, if my arm was broken, my arm was just laying here. I don't walk around saying, I thank you, Jesus, my arm's not broke. You could clearly, if my arm was just hanging here, you could see that my arm was broke. I don't walk around confessing my arm isn't broke. But what I can say is, thank God, Jesus said, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I thank you, Jesus, you're healing my arm. I thank you by Jesus Christ, my arm is healed in Jesus' name. I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. I'm not denying, I'm not calling those things that are as though they are not. Amen? And so faith sees the situation and it declares, with God I can overcome. Faith is not denial. Faith is seeing the historical reality that we are facing, but also seeing God in Christ. Uh, So Isaiah says, he says, I can see that the king is dead. And he is not denying it by saying, no, no, the king is not dead. He, He is saying, I can see that. But he is also saying, I also, I also, somebody say, I also see the Lord. As a king sitting on a throne as the king of kings in resplendent glory on the throne and his train filled the entire temple. And he has the seraphim, the angels that are flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. What an amazing vision to see that God as a king seated on the throne. Isn't that amazing? And that we can kind of visualize that ourselves, that because of what Isaiah writes, we can now take a moment and say, God, I see you with the eyes of faith. I can see you sitting on the throne. Somebody say amen. What is amazing. And so what an amazing vision. So what does this mean to us in the midst of a situation that we are walking by faith? Remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. Again, remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. In the midst of a situation, in the midst of a virus, or in the midst of an economic uh, turndown, let me say that again, or in the midst of an economic downturn, in the midst of what may be happening in society, people may say, don't you see it? And we can say, yes, yes, I do see it. I I hear the same news that you hear. I read the same articles that you read. I'm not denying that those things are real. But I also see the Lord. And He is high and lifted up. I love this. This I I, I write this down. I'd write this quote down. Faith does not live in denial, but it also doesn't live in defeat. I see a lot of believers that are walking around today that they want to they, they want to live in denial or they want to live in defeat. Faith does not live in denial and faith does not live in defeat. For I walk by faith and not by sight. Man, 
Whoa, I want to just run around this place. In other words, I can have a view of the world that I live in because of the sin of Adam and Eve, but also I can have a greater view. I can have a greater vision of faith because I see the victory that the Lord declared over my life because he has given life to me. Somebody say amen. I know that my God is holy and that he is seated on the throne and he cannot die. How many know God cannot die? God cannot be manipulated. God cannot be corrupted. Somebody say amen. And so it doesn't matter what men may do here on this earth. I don't know about you, the God that I serve, the God that I worship, he's not a mortal being. He is God. He is faithful. When nobody else is faithful, he can do what nobody else can do. Somebody say amen. And see, I can see with the eyes of faith, God Almighty, and he is my rewarder. Somebody just shout that out. Say, God is my rewarder. It says this, I quoted it earlier, 11, Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please God for he, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and also that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. What did I say earlier? As long as Uzziah saw the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as we seek the Lord, God will make you to prosper in the midst of a virus, in the midst of an economic downturn, in the midst of a situation, in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. God will make you to prosper. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. See, I can see with the eyes of faith, God Almighty, and he is my rewarder. And it comforts me in times of trouble. It gives me peace in the midst of sorrow. Faith doesn't deny that there is a virus. It does, but it also says, it says, I also see the Lord and he is my healer. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. We were healed is what the Bible says. Faith doesn't deny that there may be an economic situation. But it also says, I also see the Lord, and He is my provider. For I walk by faith and not by sight. Faith changes our perception and makes God bigger than any situation we might encounter. See, the attack of the enemy wants us to make mountains out of molehills. It wants us to make the mountain bigger than something that you can overcome. How many, have you ever noticed that the more you talk about something, the more you talk about the situation, the bigger it gets? The bigger the problem gets, the more you begin to confess about, oh man, this thing. See, I always like to encourage you, and I want to encourage you today, stop talking to God about your mountain and start talking to your mountain about how great God is. Start telling your mountain, start telling your situation how big your God is. How great that, no, my God is the King of Kings and He's sitting on the throne. And I don't care what may be going on. My God is bigger. My God is greater. My God is stronger. Come on, somebody, say amen. 
Stop telling your friends about your mountains and start telling them about how great your God is that you serve. Start telling them about how God is going to cause you to overcome the situation that you're in. I, you know, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know God. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I don't know how God's going to heal me, but I know, bless God, He's going to heal me. I don't know how God's going to provide it. I don't know how, my, how, how I'm going to pay this bill, but bless God, I know God is my provider. See, I pray today this helps you to see things which are temporary, but also to see things which are eternal. It also restores our sense of who we are. Look at this. I thought this was great. This is awesome. Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verse 5. Isaiah then says, he says, I, he said, I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. In other words, when we begin to get a fresh vision of who God is, we see a clearer view of who we are. We can, in other words, the reality of our humanity compared to the eternal glory of, who God, of God's divinity. I'm going to say that again. That was good. We begin to see the reality of our humanity compared to the eternal glory of God's divinity. In other words, it humbles us. It makes us desire to be made clean. I want you to imagine if you could see yourself and see God sitting on the throne. Imagine if Jesus were to appear right now in this room. How would that make you feel? How would that make you? What would this, what would, what would that, what, not just how would that make you feel, but how would you, what you would immediately want to be, God, forgive me. I don't even know what to forgive me for, but just, God, I'm sorry. Because it's so wonderful, so powerful, so, so in-depth. It makes us desire to be made clean. Because how I many you know in the presence of God, there cannot be any uncleanness? How I many you know Jesus washes us with his blood? He makes us clean. God doesn't, and I love this, God doesn't want us to stay unclean. It says this in verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto Isaiah, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the, off the altar. And he laid it upon the mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And verse 8, I also I heard the voice of the Lord saying. In other words, a man of God, Isaiah, being the man of God, a prophet of the Old Testament, could not hear God until he was cleansed. He could hear the angels saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But he couldn't hear the Lord until the seraphim went and grabbed the coal and touched his lips and made him clean. How many know Jesus is the one that makes us clean? God desires to make us clean. In order for us to walk by faith, we must first be cleansed in the blood of Jesus by making Jesus the Lord of our life. And then he says this. I'll go back. Verse 8, he said, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, Here am I. Send me. 
In other words, the Lord was asking the question, who will go for us? Who will go forth? Who will go out and spread the gospel? Who will go out and be my hands and my feet? And finally, when Isaiah was cleansed, all of a sudden he could hear the Lord asking the question. And then he answered a faith answer. He said, here I am, Lord. Send me. How many of you in this room today would say, Lord, here I am. I hear your voice calling me. I hear your voice speaking to my spirit. And you say, God, here I am. Lord, send me. Send me to the, to the places to heal the sick. Send me to help comfort someone that's in need. Send me to be a light in the darkness of the world. Send me to be the salt of the earth. Somebody say amen. Send me to the lost and the hurting. Send me to the sick and the weary. Here I am, Lord. Just say that out. Say, Lord, here I am. Send me. And I promise. Say it loud, say it loud like you mean Say, here I am. Lord, send me. And I promise to walk by faith and not by sight. How many received that today? 